Welcome back to the Darting Through the Faith podcast. I'm Father Sean Wilson, and with me is Julia Monin. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's right. It is me. We, we were talking middle names, so I, I stumbled. So mm-hmm. I was going to say Julia Renee, right? Yeah, that's Monin, right. That's and right. I, I did not. That's right. Yeah. Is that French? Is Renee, Renee French? It sounds like it, I believe. I think it's French. I think it means like um, something with love or something. I think it's mm. really beautiful. Yeah. Kudos to my parents for naming me that. That is. Yeah. Kudos to yeah. them. Wow. Yeah. You got a lot to live up to then. <sighs> Julia, me? something about love. <laughs> something <Monin>. about <laughs> Renee. I think it's something really French and beautiful. Yeah. Monin. That's right. <laughs> nice. Julia is beautiful too. Latin. Now that one I've pondered a little <laughs> Latin? bit more. Latin for uh, youthful, I think. <laughs> I got to go back and relook yeah. at that. But anyway, yeah. to the, you listeners... And you and you and whoever else. If you've never done that, like sat with like, what does your name mean? Mm-hmm. It's a really something to ponder. Mm-hmm. Do you know what Sean means? I know it's a derivative of John. Correct. Have we talked about it before? Not that. I, I have looked it up, but I don't recall what it yeah. means. So Sean. I normally just kind of ponder the uh, the the Johns that we mm-hmm. have, right? So I was born on John Vianney's feast day, and uh-huh. so I have that name. So that's yeah. one. And John the Apo- the beloved apostle, right? Love him, John the Baptist. Right. Whoa, right? Yeah, right. so right. Give John me some the more cross curds. ain't no chump either. I'm just he saying, he ain't no chump. Yeah, <laughs> he's great too. Yeah, I mean, you can spend your lifetime reflecting on those Johns you got, you are following in the I footsteps know. of. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Big ones. Yeah, John of God. Don't know a whole yeah. lot of him. John mm-hmm. of Avila. Don't mm-hmm. know a whole lot of him. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. Anyways, yeah, some to ponder. Ponder, Michael and Sean Michael. Mikael, mm. something of God. Mm-hmm. I don't remember. Yeah. Who is like God? Who is like God? That's it. Mm-hmm. In great humility. Yeah. Who, who is you, that? That's like God. Who do you think you are? Yeah. What? Oh, mm, great patrons. Okay. Mm-hmm. Who are your patrons? What does your name be? Sit with that with your prayer for an entire year. I dare you. <laughs> See what the Lord bears fruit mm. with. No, it might not be a whole year, but maybe. Right. And then put on the song, Who Are You? Ooh, ooh. No, probably not. Is that like, I don't the know. The Who? The Who? Nuh-uh. The Who. Yeah. Is it really? Yeah. The yeah. Who had a song, Who Are You? I really want to know. No, come. It was at the start of like all the CSI episodes. I don't watch. I mean, that was like a decade ago. Right. So, right. Anyways, we should get going. Wow. Should we? I feel like I need to dissect that a little more. Really? The Who? Who are you? Did all their songs have like Who themes? No. 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 I, that, the, 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 um, the title of the song is escaping me right now. So I don't recall what the title, I I know the title of the song is not Who Are You? Okay. That's just one of the, okay. It was either the bridge or the refrain. I don't know. Sure. Wow. Homework. Homework, yes. Myself, Study the who. Listeners. Or don't. I, or don't, you yeah. know. <laughs> Whatever. Uh, we're not we're not <laughs> school, classroom, taking attendance or grades. So whatever homework you think the Lord's moving you to. That's right. Although I will say him. when I have to like prep for the episodes and like read it, I do I do tell my family it's homework. Like I have homework tonight. Oh. So they know like don't bother me. Yeah. Or until I get my homework done, I can't play video games with you, which oh. was the conversation in our house last night. Nice. <laughs> which made me laugh. Like, how old am I? Well, I have homework and I can't play video games, boys. You're on your own. <laughs> They're in some game I don't know how to play either. So yeah. it's fine. Yeah. It's a win-win for everyone. It's like 
they're just asking you to be nice. Kind of. And <laughs> you have an excuse so that you don't have to just be nice to play it. Kind of. Yeah. So it's win-win for all of us. Yeah, everybody wins. Okay, everybody well, that's wins. good. Anyway. Well, let's pray. Let's do it. And the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord, we ask that you may dwell in our hearts and our lives. We ask that you may refocus our attention to you and to the ways that you've communicated with us, with our ancestors, that you may show us your face, that you may be with all those listening to this podcast, all those who don't know how to pray, all those who have given up on prayer. They may be re-enlivened by the, the witness of our, of our ancestors in the faith, especially those in the Old Testament, upon whom we reflect upon today. We ask all of this through Christ our Lord. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Where are we at today, Padre? Well, we're in the we're in the catechism today, <laughs> and we are really at the start of the, the part on prayer. Yeah. So the this fourth section is all about prayer of the catechism. So you got the creed, you got the sacraments, you got the moral life, then you got prayer. So we're basically walking through prayer in the uh, in the Old Testament today. Mm-hmm. So what are the examples? What's the prayer of Abraham, the prayer of creation, Moses, David, the Psalms, the prophets, mm-hmm. all that. Um, so, so yeah, that's where we are. We're at the very start of the section on prayer. I loved this section. Does that surprise that's, you? That's so surprising, Julia. <laughs> Shocking. Man, I bet you really liked the part about Elijah, too. Huh? Oh, are you kidding me? Yeah. yeah, I definitely liked it. Yeah, go figure. <gasps> but huh? it's also it's all it's it also is. good. This pray this I, I I have yet to be disappointed with the prayer section of this. You won't be. <laughs> it's you so won't be. good. Because it was all written by the same hand, evidently. Mm. Are you tell the story about this? Yeah, I don't remember yeah, the name, but so I don't remember where he's from, but evidently the the committee that was in charge of kind of like coming up with the catechism and, you know, presenting their draft to John Paul II, uh, they just like farmed out the whole section on prayer to Father Jean Corbin and said, mm. hey, Father, uh, why don't you just come up with a draft, an outline, a schematic, you know, something that we can work with. Mm-hmm. And the story is that he sent it back to him and they said, well, we can't improve upon this. Right. We're going with this. Right. So, Gosh, yeah. It- it, it's beautiful mm-hmm. and it's it's thorough too and it's yes and it but and yet it's concise yeah like it like prayer is difficult to explain right like to put into words and yet every section is so concise and just well done. packed with meaning though thank you lord yeah. for this gift right of the catechism right okay and this is actually you know just another side side conversation on the fourth part of the catechism Mm -hmm. this is i think the first like official catechism of the church that included a section on prayer Mm -hmm. normally it was just the first three sections of Mm -hmm. the creed sacraments and morality and i believe Mm -hmm. the roman catechism which came out after the council of trent was that was the three sections Mm -hmm. and so it's an innovation and a very good innovation Mm -hmm. i think everybody would say to have the part on prayer included so it's fascinating shout out do you wonder why like in the history you know, in salvation history, why perhaps there wasn't a need for a section on prayer before now? I don't know. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, something, something to, maybe there was about. a, yeah, maybe it came in other ways or sure. who knows what. Sure. Well, yeah. it's certainly good for us to remember what mm-hmm. we're made for and what is prayer and how it has unfolded in the life of the church and in scripture and in the Old Testament too. Just right. fascinating. So we kind of chatted about this is a larger section. There's this is um, paragraphs twenty five sixty eight through twenty five eighty nine. So more than what we would generally cover on an episode. 
Um, so instead of going paragraph by paragraph, we're going to just like jump back and forth from the in brief paragraphs that summarize this section and then hit some highlights. Mm-hmm. But this, I highly recommend, this is something that you can read and understand. I think, was it last week where we got into a lot of uh, philosophy where it's like, mm. man, this is kind of difficult to yeah. digest and understand. <laughs> but this is, this reads this is beautifully. Not. It's not. So I really recommend you read that. Again, Your spiritual reading, you know? Yeah. Something else to pray with. Mm-hmm. I, we just gave people whole years of stuff to pray. Fodder. <laughs> Fodder right. for a conversation. Chew on with your prayer with the Lord. Um, so <clears throat> maybe we should begin, though, with 25, reading like 2568, and then this whole um, 2569, which is kind of introduces us to this before we go back and forth. You okay with that? Sure. So 2568 in the Old Testament, the revelation of prayer comes between the fall and the restoration of man. That is, between God's sorrowful call to his first children, where are you? What is this that you have done? And the response of God's only son on coming into the world. Lo, I have come to do your will, O God. Prayer is bound up with human history, for it is the relationship with God in historical events. In the Old Testament, the revelation of prayer comes between the fall and the restoration of man. Okay. I've never put together those two quotes, though, where that... Um, the call of the Lord, the invitation, like, where, where are you? Mm-hmm. And they're, it's because they've fallen, right? That's the, mm-hmm. that's the question that God asked Adam and Eve as they're hiding from him in the garden. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the response, you know, of Jesus, that's from the letter to the Hebrews, lo, I have come to do your will, right? Mm-hmm. Like that, that hiding, but then the, in the, and then the Lord Jesus Christ stands in our spot mm-hmm. to say, here I am, right? Mm-hmm. He does the exact opposite of hiding. He steps forward to say, okay, I will come to do, to do the will of the father as mm-hmm. Adam and Eve have turned aside from the will of the father. So just a beautiful, like, just what a, what a banging way to start off, oh, huh? Yeah. For sure. Uh, continuing then, creation, the source of our prayer, is this this uh, title of this one. Prayer is lived in the first place, beginning with the realities of creation. So the first nine chapters of Genesis describe this relationship with God as an offering of the firstborn of Abel's flock, as the invocation of the divine name at the time of Enosh, and as walking with God. Noah's offering is pleasing to God who blesses him and through him all creation because his heart was upright and undivided. Noah, like Enoch before him, walks with God. This kind of prayer is lived by many righteous people in all religions. In this indefectible covenant with every living creature, God has always called people to prayer. But it is above all beginning with our father Abraham that prayer is revealed in the Old Testament. So this is going back to Genesis. This is going back to creation. This is going back to the original source of prayer. We see Mm -hmm. this offering of the flocks, the invocation of the divine name, walking with God. We see this laid out in in Genesis with these stories of Adam and Eve and Noah. and then we're going to jump into, but where does it pick up really? Where do we see this with Abraham? Right. Mm-hmm. So it's even a, kind of an insight that many religions share this, like the first 11 books or the first nine is a, of Genesis, of this idea of walking with the Lord, of the holiness of the divine name. You think about Muslims have that mm-hmm. kind of reverence for the name of the Lord. Mm-hmm. And even the offering, how many religions offer sacrifice mm-hmm. to the Lord, whether um, you know it's grain or whatever it is, their food, um, Mm-hmm. burnt offerings. So mm-hmm. yeah, but then things take that definitive turn when the Lord calls Abraham and he begins that deeper revelation of prayer. Mm-hmm. So then 2592, the in brief paragraph 
summarizes the section on Abraham. The prayer of Abraham and Jacob is presented as a battle of faith marked by trust in God's faithfulness and by certitude in the victory promised to perseverance. So the prayer of Abraham and Jacob presented as a battle of faith marked by trust in God's faithfulness and by certitude in the victory promised to perseverance. Um, yeah, first maybe you can lighten us. What is this prayer of Abraham and Jacob? Well, like it, so there's one specific instance that even one of the paragraphs, I believe 2573, discusses the wrestling match that mm-hmm. Jacob has with the Lord and how, um, you know, that's where he, Jacob's name gets changed. Mm-hmm. His name gets changed to Israel. And Israel literally means those that wrestle with God. So the mm. the name the Israelites are those who wrestle with God. Mm. And what an image of prayer is kind of this like back and forth, kind of this struggle. Of course, Jacob's problem is that he won, right? It's not really a struggle that we're supposed to supposed to win. But this kind of and you see this in Abraham, right? As Abraham is trying to uh, is trying to follow the Lord, he makes so many missteps. Mm. Um, but that's part of his wrestling with the Lord and kind of this fight towards faithfulness. And mm-hmm. so for Abraham, right, he's promised to be the father of many nations through his wife, Sarah, and it's not happening. Mm-hmm. So Abraham starts going to other women and he has kids with other women and is, he's having these children, but he's not being faithful. Mm-hmm. And then, and then it all gets summed up and the catechism kind of points this out. And I believe 20, 2572 with when he does have a child through Sarah, Isaac, and then the Lord invites him to offer him. That's so. That's like the culmination of all of his prayer. This confidence that the Lord Himself will provide a lamb of mm-hmm. of sacrifice, and that's that's basically him, right? His his faith is come. The struggle is not as present, right? The the confidence in the Lord to provide has uh, what would you say has settled in mm-hmm. as opposed to like let me let me manipulate things myself. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. so that's the struggle, you know, that Abraham goes through his whole life. Mm-hmm. And, and it shows not only the, the struggle and the need to persevere in prayer, which we see the Lord Jesus mm-hmm. who comes to fulfill all of this, right, is the per- perfect fulfillment. And we see this in the Gospels um, about, you know, the um, the parable of the persistent widow or whatever. We see mm-hmm. these examples in, in the Gospels about needing to be persistent in our prayer. So we not only see that, that this key to being persistent in the struggle that is prayer mm-hmm. in these examples of Abraham, in this example of Jacob, um, but we also see their eyes always focused on the Lord in terms of like hopeful, like, the, mm-hmm. like, and we see that in the final test of Abraham, right? Where he's, he's told to sacrifice Isaac. Here's the, the promised child, right? He's told to sacrifice him and Abraham's words are the Lord himself will provide, right? Mm-hmm. Pro- will provide for the sacrifice. So, um, like testing that final test, that final purification. We also see the growth of the soul in this, right? Oh, yeah. That it's not like a one and done. Like Abraham was a man of faith calling called by the Lord for this great mission, for this great purpose, to be the father of all nations. Um, but it was this progressive development in his sure. life of prayer and his life of faith. So we see that as well. Yeah. Um, one sentence in here said, the one aspect of the drama of prayer appears from the beginning, the test of faith in the fidelity of God. Drama of prayer. The drama of yeah. prayer. Isn't that yeah. so good? Mm. Yeah. The Lord's invitation to us, like <clears throat> even to make those resolutions mm-hmm. to follow to follow him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then one other thing that really jumped out at me in this section, too, was in 2570, where it says, such attentiveness of the heart whose decisions are made according to God's will is essential to prayer, where the words used count only into relation to it. So it's this this uh, this 
this reality that the attentiveness of heart is what's essential to prayer. It's expressed first by deeds and then only later in words. So it's this idea of turning your heart, walking with the Lord, um, and then from that birth the deeds and the and the words in mm-hmm. our prayer. Mm. Okay. Um, so again, the prayer of Abraham and Jacob presented as a battle of faith marked by trust in God's faithfulness and by certitude in the victory promised to perseverance. Okay? Beautiful. Anything else with Abraham and Jacob? I don't think so. Okay. Now we move to Moses and the prayer of the mediator. So paragraph 2593 reads, The prayer of Moses responds to the living God's initiative for the salvation of his people. It foreshadows the prayer of intercession of the unique mediator, Christ Jesus. So you think about Moses' role is to help the people along the way of salvation, Mm -hmm. saving them from Pharaoh and Egypt. And that all starts with the living God who he encounters in the burning bush. Mm -hmm. And that's the the beginning of his, at least as far as revelation goes, of his his life of prayer. And he gets this, you know, and it starts with, with God's, God's intercession. So he's the he's the living the living God, and he's supposed to basically work on behalf of his people. And mm-hmm. so his prayer life is consumed with intercession, and even like his activity. Right? He first Moses is constantly climbing the mountain to pray, mm-hmm. and then he comes down to lead the people. So his his prayer um, is on behalf of all of the people, and that's what a mediator is. Right? You think about if if dad's really angry and you got to ask mom to go to dad to talk on your behalf, well, mom's the mediator, right? And mm-hmm. um, that she's going, going there to speak on your behalf. And that's, that's what it is. Um, yeah. I love this one line, but in the dialogue in which God mm-hmm. confines in him, Moses also learns how to pray. He balks, makes excuses above all questions and it is in response to his question that the Lord confides his ineffable name, which will be revealed through his mighty deeds. So as Moses is like groaning and belly aching, as Moses is wont to do, because that's what we are oftentimes mm-hmm. doing. But it's in that that the Lord then reveals. Mm-hmm. So it's even like sometimes we get a little like... Um, we get a little uh, like worried, like oh, I just went to the Lord and I just complained. Well, mm-hmm. oftentimes, the, the, if we're spilling our hearts out to the Lord, that's when He'll He'll respond with mm-hmm. whatever it is that we need to hear. And for Moses, it was, "Here's my name. Go share it with the uh, with my people." Yeah, I loved that too. It's in the dialogue, yeah. in which God confides in him that Moses also learns how to pray. So in that struggle, in that balking, making excuses, saying, "I can't do that. Go call somebody else." I. You know, I'm not the right man for this job, which we see time and time again when the Lord calls people to himself. Um, but that's how he learns to pray. How true it is to us. You know, if, uh, yeah. And I think we can beat ourselves up in prayer about there's a right way to pray and a wrong way to pray. And I just spent my entire prayer complaining. And so that must not have been fruitful prayer. Um but honest prayer is always the best prayer. And mm-hmm. it's not so much what we're saying as is, again, that attentiveness of our hearts to the Lord. So if we spent the we spent the entire time in our prayer, like dumping everything on the Lord, well, then good. He can handle it all. It's mm-hmm. just about having those ears open enough to hear, to hear whatever response, response. Yeah. <laughs> which might not be, you're right about all of this. Go yeah. out and take people down. <laughs> right, right. It's, it's often not the response we hear back from him. Not the one um, I'm getting. <laughs> right, yeah. But you also get this 
great um, kind of example of Moses's prayer and quotes uh, the book of Exodus. Thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. Mm. Uh, that the essence of Moses's prayer is that he he speaks to the face of the Lord and as a, as a friend. And so mm. there's this conversation and that's time and time again when we see Moses ascend the mountain. He's having that friendship with the Lord. He's talking to him just as one would a friend, even that if that is his balking, his excuses and his belly aching. Yet that's how he speaks to his friend, the Lord. Mm-hmm. And again, looking that Moses is uh, Moses and this prayer of the mediator is foreshadowing Christ mm-hmm. being our mediator before God, the father. And we can see this, this paragraph continues that Moses's prayer is characteristic of contemplative prayer by which God's servant remains faithful to his mission. Um, I love this too. You mentioned that Moses often climbs the mountain to hear and entreat him and then comes back down to the people to repeat the words of God, of his God for their guidance. Like, um, just a lot of this reminded me of the, the Carmelite charism and, Mm. you know, that the unique charism and of course all religious orders are called to pray, but in a unique way, that's what the Lord has called Carmel up to be, to be this contemplative voice before our Lord, just holding all these, all these people in his heart next to him in prayer. And you don't ascend the mountain, you know, to spend time in prayer, just to stay up there and delight in the Lord. It's for the benefit and the good birth of good works. So to descend back down, it was just so much of this kicked me in the butt as I was Mm. reading it and reminded me of, um, Yeah, my own vocation in Carmel. Um, But then this continues in 2577, from this intimacy with the faithful God, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, Moses drew strength and determination for his intercession. And this idea that Moses is spending time in this face-to-face, intimate conversation with the Lord, right? Mm -hmm. And it's from this intimacy that he draws his strength and his determination to continue to intercede on behalf of his people, to continue to descend back down the mountain and serve them, you know, even when they're ruffling his feathers or things aren't going well or they're not listening. It's from the prayer itself that mm-hmm. he's drawing his strength. And so often we can look at prayer as, you know, a waste of our time or... Um, if I, yeah, well, just that. Yeah. It's a waste of our time. It's not bearing fruit. It's not doing not anything. Efficient. It's not efficient. Right. Um, and we, we, this reminds us that prayer is where we draw our strength. Mm-hmm. This is where we go to be strengthened, to go back out and to serve. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. right. That reminds me, and I, I know I've said this in a homily recently, but St. Francis de Sales has this line. St. Francis de Sales would do a lot of spiritual direction for people. And mm-hmm. somebody asked him, you know, Bishop Francis de Sales, you know, how much time should, should we speak, we spend in prayer every day? And Francis de Sales says, well, I recommend 30 minutes of prayer for everyone every day, mm-hmm. unless you're very busy. If you're very busy, I recommend an hour of prayer mm-hmm. every day. And I think that's, it's so true. Like mm-hmm. uh, people kind of laugh at that, like, isn't that funny? But mm-hmm. it's so true that those who are more busy need, need the prayer all the more, right? Need mm-hmm. to come to the found because when you're busy, you think, I, I'm doing this myself, right? Mm-hmm. If I just do this, this, and this, and uh, and it's actually the Lord that needs to kind of pull us aside. We need to be detached from our work, from us, you know, saving every person or everything mm-hmm. and to turn to the Lord who is truly the Savior. So Yeah, let's take reminding me again of going back to Abraham's story and all oh, of yeah. that, you know, where he tried to take matters into his own hands, tried to control mm-hmm. the situation, tried to say, well, God, I must have heard God wrong. This right. isn't happening, so I must need to do something about it. Um, and that is that is the danger for all of us to, to fall yeah. into that trap. Um, I read a, I was, you know, we celebrated the uh, feast day of St. Teresa of Calcutta a oh, couple yeah. days ago, and I was just glancing one of the books I have on her to refresh my memory on some of her writings and things. And 
it was funny. She wrote a little like intro for um, the book. It was like a photo book. So somebody who took photos over and documented her life in that way. And she gave permission. I'm sure she offered much up. I'm sure there was much suffering in her having her picture taken and allowing somebody to print a book about it. You know, she would do that. Like whenever people were taking, she would make side comments about I'm getting souls out of purgatory Mm -hmm. right now. Mm -hmm. Because she hated the publicity, you know, more than anything. But she said the goals of the book, um, and I'm just summarizing here, but were of course to glorify God, to help the readers know how much he loves them. And then the third goal she had for the book was that the Lord would grant people the desire to want to pray. Mm. And to think about that, like how important that is. And to her, it wasn't social work, this work of the poorest of the poor. It was just a fruit of her prayer and and Mm -hmm. her sisters and her priests and everybody who was drawn into that charism of the order too was centered on Jesus and on prayer. And so her recognizing that, that, yeah, I want to glorify God. I want you to know how much he loves you. And I want you to pray because Mm -hmm. this is the essence of our lives here is to live in this communion with our Lord, no matter what vocation you're called to. Right. So that was very profound. Yeah. Okay. So anything else with Moses in this prayer of the mediator? I don't think so. Go on to David, huh? All right. David and the prayer of the king. So in the in brief 2594, it reads, the prayer of the people of God flourished in the shadow of the dwelling place of God's presence on earth, the ark of the covenant in the temple under the guidance of their shepherds, especially King David and of the prophets. Flourished in the shadow of the dwelling place of God. So you you think about David's time Mm -hmm. is when the ark was brought to Jerusalem, Mm -hmm. and then his son Solomon builds the temple. Mm -hmm. So that's really the center of their their prayer life. And it talks about how important that was um, for pilgrimage, how important it was. Where am I? I remember reading that, but um, I I guess I didn't mark it. But anywho, yeah. The house of prayer, the prayer at the dedication of the temple relies on God's promise and covenant on the active presence of his name among his people. So the temple's this constant reminder of God's presence amongst the people. And so we'd constantly draw the people there, whether it was on pilgrimage, whether it was making the liturgical offerings that they were, or even to come in, come in penance to the Lord or come in, come in intercession, asking for the Lord on their behalf. Mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah, the temple. Mm. And I love this. The prayer flourishes in the shadow of God's dwelling place. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That makes sense. First, oh, it's in the... Sorry. Sorry. Go ahead. I just found what I was looking for. Oh, okay. But it's in the next section on Elijah. Okay. The temple was to be a place of their education and prayer, pilgrimages, feasts, and sacrifices, the evening offerings, the incense, the bread of presence, all these signs of the holiness and glory of God most high and most near were appeals to and to ways of prayer. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And we can see how this would this would elicit this flourishing of prayer, right? Right, because this whole building mm-hmm. is dedicated as an invitation mm-hmm. to encounter God. Mm-hmm. This whole section too reminded me like the importance of a good and holy king, mm-hmm. <laughs> like a good and holy ruler of. Of a people, right? Um, There was a section here that really struck me too at the end of paragraph 2578. They're talking about how the infant Samuel must have learned from his mother Hannah how to stand before the Lord, and then from the priest Eli on how to listen. You'll recall that, you know, speak, Lord, your servant is listening, Mm -hmm. that that, uh, dialogue there. Um, Later, he will also know the cost and consequence of intercession. Moreover, as for me, far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord by ceasing to pray for you. 
and I will instruct you in the good and right way. This this idea that it's a responsibility to pray and to hold people, um, mm-hmm. you know, in intercession next to the Lord, and that there are consequences for not doing so. Oh, okay. <laughs> like How one, about that? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay, next time I say I don't have time to pray or that was enough for the day. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Whew, okay. Is there anybody else I need to pray for? Probably. <laughs> yeah, probably. Um, and then David is par excellence, the king after God's own heart, the shepherd who prays for his people, prays in their name, his submission to the will of God, his praise, his repentance will be a model for the prayer of the people. Mm. And in the Psalms, David, inspired by the Holy Spirit, is the first prophet of Jewish and Christian prayer. The prayer of Christ, the true Messiah and son of David, will reveal and fulfill the meaning of this prayer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. So, you know, we see in David kind of this introduction into the prayers of forgiveness. It's kind of one of the new things that haven't touched is this prayer of repentance. And of course his whole, his whole uh, incident with Bathsheba and mm. uh, killing Uriah or having mm. him killed. Mm. So this it, part of prayer, the life of prayer is asking the God for mercy, asking mm-hmm. him for, for forgiveness from our sins. And that's the example that David shows. Everybody is the king, right? The king is kind of the first citizen, and he's he intercedes on behalf of people as the king. But yes, he also gives the example of like, okay, I screwed up. Let me go beg for mercy from our Lord. And he, mm-hmm. he fasts, he prays, prays that the Lord may forgive mm-hmm. him, and he does. Mm-hmm. And yeah, becomes a model of that. Mm-hmm. Dynamite. Okay, so that again was the prayer of the people of God flourished in the shadow of the dwelling place of God's presence on earth, the Ark of the Covenant, and the temple under the guidance of their shepherds, especially King David and of the prophets. Now we go into the section on the prophets, um, namely Elijah. The prophets summoned the people to conversion of heart, and while zealously seeking the face of God, like Elijah, they interceded for the people. So, yeah. Zealously seeking the face of God. Is that what it was? Mm-hmm. So one of the, you know, the one I read about the temple, there's this kind of like hesitancy, but ritualism often encouraged an excessively external worship. Yep. Um, the people needed education and faith and conversion of heart. This was the mission of the prophets, both before and after the exile. Mm-hmm. So to think about how prayer can become, especially the liturgical prayer, right? The ritual prayer, the prayer of the temple there mm-hmm. can become all about the ritual. And you'll see Jesus kind of get on the Pharisees about this, mm-hmm. that there's there's not the interior movement of the heart. And that that can happen so so easily for ourselves. And, mm-hmm. and even, um, you know, and take kind of maybe even two approaches to the sacred liturgy, even in our own day and age, right? There can be kind of the the almost like celebratory party kind of like, Let's clap and just have a good time. Or there can be like the the strict rubric, this is what you do, this is what you have to do, and, and being a, a slave to just externals. Mm-hmm. And just to remember like what the, the, the role of the liturgy is to bring all of us as a, uh, as a community together in an offering to the Lord. So when we talk about active participation, it's not the externals, right? It's more than anything else. It's actively engaging our hearts mm-hmm. in, in prayer to the Lord. So that's the kind of the, the concern that the Old Testament had, that everything was just external rituals. Mm-hmm. And that can be our own issue too, so the, that our hearts are supposed to be engaged. And you think about that, that phrase in the Mass, lift up your hearts. Mm-hmm. Right? That, mm-hmm. That's what we're all 
invited to do. And really the crux of active participation is that. Mm -hmm. So, all right, end of, end of diatribe, not diatribe, but Mm. whatever monologue. No. And that, that's, I thought that that was so beautiful because we do, we can have that even Mm -hmm. in our time today where it's just all become about the externals and we forgot about this attentiveness of our heart. And again, the, this part of the catechism, this on prayer in the old Testament is pointing out how the prophets and Elijah is looked to as the father of the prophets, of course, but how they were called to, uh, Rectify that situation, how the Lord rose them up to say, all right, it's not just about the externals. You're called to zealously seek my face, right? With zeal, Mm -hmm. I have been zealous for the Lord God of hosts, um, for the good of the people, for their own conversion of hearts, as as well as yours. This, This paragraph... 2584 at the very end of this section. What? This was so good. In their one-to-one encounters with God, the prophets draw light and strength for their mission. Their prayer is not flight from this unfaithful world, but rather attentiveness to the word of God. At times, their prayer is an argument or a complaint, but it is always an intercession that awaits and prepares for the intervention of the Savior God, the Lord of history. So again, we see this, this one-on-one where these prophets are seeking the Lord with zeal, mm-hmm. and they're spending this one-on-one time with him. It's not to withdraw from, oh, this is so bad, I got to get out of here and just go delight in the mm-hmm. Lord. It's again, we hear this, this is where they're they're being strengthened for their mission. Um, and to rather, it's so again, not a flight from the world, but rather I need to attend myself solely to God in his right. word, right? So that he can strengthen mm-hmm. for the mission, so that he can even clarify as to what the mission is. Because, mm-hmm. you know, we get so busy, we, we come up with our own idea oh, of gotcha. it, and the prophets can. Yeah. So to be attentive to, okay, where is the Lord actually leading? What is his mission? Mm-hmm. And, and uh, to re... So it's, yeah, like you said, it's not a, a flight from the, wor- from the world, mm-hmm. it's attentiveness to the word. Mm-hmm. There's a nice little word play in English there. Mm. Mm. World and word. Mm. They're one letter difference. Thank you for spelling that out for yeah, me. Literally spelling it out. <laughs> you know I appreciate that. You know I do. Uh, I guess. Ah, uh, well, this this so in, in Carmel we look to Elijah as our as our mm-hmm. father too, and so we look to that with zeal. I've been zealous for the right. Lord God of Hosts. In the rule we have, you know, to meditate, to ponder the law of the Lord day and night. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so this idea of not leaving to leave the world, but to be attentive and give ourselves fully to to the Lord, mm-hmm. and again intercessory prayer. Wow, that's so good. So good. Okay. I love it. Just love it. What else you got on Elijah? Anything? Um, no. There was something interesting. Um, I thought in just 2583, there's kind of like two halves to that section. The second half, talking about the test, you know, where all the pro- Elijah gathers all the prophets by all, and, mm. you know, you prepare your sacrifice, I'll prepare mine, and whichever one erupts in flames by the Lord's intervention, like that's, that's mm. what's happening, mm-hmm. and, or that's the true God. And then it mentions how the Eastern liturgies repeat Elijah's mm. plea in the Eucharistic epiclesis. So Elijah, answer me, O Lord, answer me. So, you know, in the part of the Mass where we call down the Holy Spirit, normally hands are over the gifts like so, mm-hmm. um, that's the epiclesis. So calling down the Holy Spirit. So what a beautiful kind of connection to, mm-hmm. as we're calling down the Lord, as a light, so at the Mass, mm-hmm. there's a um, an Old Testament allusion to Elijah calling down the Lord upon, to consume the sacrifice with fire mm-hmm. and saying, answer me, O Lord, answer me. Mm-hmm. What a beautiful, like, mm-hmm. what a beautiful, um, um, just... I don't know. Something beautiful there. 
reality reality i don't know but it is thing <laughs> thing yeah. let's go with thing yeah what a beautiful thing <laughs> it is so good and you know what's out what you know what else is fascinating about the prophets is you read the prophetic books and so they have this mission right to um to help con- convert the hearts, yeah. right? To make sure it's not about the externals, to help convert the hearts of the people and, and intercede to the Lord on their behalf. But it's always fascinating how God teaches the prophets whatever lesson he's going to send the prophets out to teach the people, how he teaches the prophets that mm-hmm. lesson. It's just always very like practical right. and like, it, it, like, okay, go do this. Now you've learned what that's like. Right. Now go tell the people that that's what they're doing to me yeah. or whatever it is. I just, it's always fascinating. Right. It's how you know that the prophets don't take this upon themselves because the Lord actually trains them by really breaking them down mm-hmm. and showing them their own lack. And so, okay, now you're ready to share that. Mm-hmm. Oh. Mm. You know, again, yeah. thinking of David and his call to repentance. Yeah. And, um, you know, you need to teach the people how to repent. Look in the mirror. Yeah, right. Yeah. Let me just show you something about yourself. Right. And so that means like yeah. David just doesn't, oh, I have to teach people how to repent. You're all a bunch of sinners. You mm-hmm. got to do this. Mm-hmm. It's actually watch me repent mm-hmm. because I'm, 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 mm-hmm. and you know, St. Paul says, I think, and this is in the, the second reading this upcoming Sunday, this mm-hmm. is a, I am, I am the, the greatest of all sinners. Mm-hmm. The Lord Jesus came to save sinners of these. I am the foremost. True. <sighs> True that thoroughly relate to those words of St. Paul. Mm-hmm. Word. Okay, so the next section then... Um, the Psalms. The, <laughs> the Psalms. <laughs> um, that is the correct pronunciation, in case you didn't know. That's the it. that's the Hebrew pronunciation, is Psalm. Are you messing with me? You're messing with what? me. Why would I ever is mess with you? With He's messing with me. She says you're messing with me. What does she know? <laughs> you're messing with me. Well, I'm I'm so ignorant I don't know. So okay. That sounds like your problem, not mine. <laughs> it is. It is. Anyways, the Psalms. Okay, so the two there the last two paragraphs in the in brief summarize this section. The Psalms constitute the masterwork of prayer in the Old Testament. They present two inseparable qualities, the personal and the communal. They extend to all dimensions of history, recalling God's promises already fulfilled and looking for the coming of the Messiah. Prayed and fulfilled in Christ, the Psalms are an essential and permanent element of the prayer of the church. They are suitable for men of every condition and time. An essential and permanent element of the prayer of the church. The masterwork Mm. of prayer. I thought about that phrase. Sometimes there's these YouTube, you know, YouTube commercials mm-hmm. about master classes. Well, they'll have, you know, some sort of expert give you a master mm-hmm. class on whatever they're mm-hmm. experts in. Mm-hmm. But like this is the this is the master class of prayer. You mm-hmm. want to learn how to pray, just pick up the 150 Psalms and start reading them and listening mm-hmm. and hearing how the psalmist, mostly David, talks to the Lord, mm-hmm. and that'll teach us how to be in conversation with the Lord. They're the master class of prayer. Mm-hmm. And not just, again, this is m- mentioning this two inseparable qualities, the personal, so you can enter mm-hmm. into this in your personal prayer mm-hmm. and um, find that it's so relative to what you struggle with personally, but also communal. So we look at the liturgy of the hours in the church and how we're praying the Psalms, you know, day in and day out. And so as a community, as a, as a people of believers, we're offering these prayers to the Lord as well. And yeah. I think that Jesus would have prayed these, you know? Yeah. His time here with us, um, 
he would have been praying the Psalms as well. And uh, 2586, the Psalms both nourished and expressed prayer. So it's like food for us to prayer, mm. but it also expresses what's going on in our mm. hearts, which that's how true is that? That like it actually it, it feeds us in prayer and like and even sound doctrine and even who the Lord is and what he's done in mm. history. And then it expresses like sometimes it's like, I don't know how to say this. And you pick up a psalm. I was like, that'll work. Uh, <laughs> that sums it up. <laughs> yep. That's that's me. <laughs> yes. Especially I think the ones that are um the, the really the ones that are really like a deep lament. Yeah, you know? Psalm eighty eight. Mm. My one companion is darkness. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's Friday mm. night prayer. Mm. So mm. yeah, mm-hmm. and that was traditionally the prayer, the Psalm that Jesus prayed in uh, in prison. Mm. So if you go into the the prison that Jesus went into, what traditionally the cell that he was held held in, the the Bible is open to Psalm eighty eight mm. there. Yeah. Oh no, that's that's a beautiful thing. Oh yeah, <laughs> wow. And most of the time, well, yeah. So you can read all about this in a Father Mike Schmidt's video. That's where I I'm reading in a video. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean. You can learn all about it in a Father Mike Schmidt's video. I don't remember which one, but I heard it heard it in there. Oh, it's the one I I had a CD, Prayer, Sacrifice, and Trust. Mm-hmm. But anyways, how. Most of the Psalms end with hope, right? Even if they're the complaints, the woes, the struggle, they end, but the Lord will take care of me, or I will always praise the name of the Lord. Mm. Psalm 88 does not end that way. Mm. Psalm 88 is the one that ends. The last words are, my one companion is darkness. And that's the one that traditionally Jesus prayed in, in prison. So. Anyways. I love that so much. Yeah. We're going to end this episode with Psalm 88. I'm going to find it in my Bible. Okay. It's right after Psalm 87. (laughs) Is it before 89? Allegedly. (laughs) All right. All right. Uh, And how about this? Like the Psalter's many forms of prayer take shape both in the liturgy of the temple and in the human heart. mm. So we oftentimes hear this, you're a temple of the Holy Spirit. But that's not just like some nice phrase. It's like everything that happens in the temple, everything that happens in the church building is supposed to take place also in our hearts, right? Mm -hmm. The the temple is where, and the church building is where we come to offer sacrifice and praise to the Lord. Well, the temple of our heart is supposed to be where that takes place or where new life is received in baptism. Well, that, that happens in our heart where we're nourished in the Eucharist, in that, in that temple, in that, that building. And then that's what happens in our heart. So like, being a temple of the Holy Spirit. And even so the temple is the place where the Psalms are prayed, where they're lived, right? People gather in the church to pray the Psalms, responsorial Psalm, liturgy, the hours. And that's what's supposed to also happen in our hearts. So, mm. and all that the Psalms go through, right? The Thanksgiving, the lamentation, the sorrow for sins, the songs of praise, like all of that is not just like something we do together, but something we, mm. we make as our own in our own prayer life. Mm. So... What? Gotta love the Psalms. Yeah, what is more pleasing than a psalm? There's a quote in here by is that Saint Ambrose? Yeah. Mm-hmm. What is more pleasing than a psalm? It goes on, but I'm yeah. just gonna end with that question because right? <laughs> it's yeah. so good. My mm. spiritual director told me this at one point when he was I think he was probably like in his early to mid seventies. He said, You know, I'll try to do his voice. You know, I realized too late in my life that I should have memorized all the Psalms, mm. that I should have memorized all 150 Psalms. I've given it a try, but I'm past my prime. <laughs> so, 
you know, he shared that as a bit of advice to memorize the Psalms. I had started to do that, but mm-hmm. I'm, you know, light years behind where I could be. But mm-hmm. what a, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And again, as you pray, you know, the prayer of the church, that becomes mm-hmm. that becomes your language in prayer as well because you're looking at those Psalms every day. And- but that one in evening prayer. First of all, it's great with the alliteration, but it's also something to live up to. Mm-hmm. My soul sings psalms to you unceasingly. <laughs> it's beautiful. My it soul is. sings psalms to you unceasingly. Mm-hmm. Also fun alliteration. Also fun fact, you have used that several times to warm your tongue up before we begin this I know, podcast. I know. <laughs> yeah. My soul sings psalms to you unceasingly. It's definitely appropriate. Yeah. Uh, anything else? I think that's, you know, read this section. Read it. Yeah, it's it, so it, good. good for the soul, good for the heart, <sighs> good for the life of prayer. So. Oh, so good. So good. Mm. All right. Well, oh, I guess we already... Yeah. Tell we the, already tossed the dart. Yeah, tell uh, the so good the people. the dart <laughs> is going to be at 456 to 463. We're going to talk about the incarnation mm-hmm. uh, on next week's episode. Mm-hmm. So uh, we'll see you there. <laughs> We will see you there. Let's close with Psalm 88. O Lord God of my salvation, I cry out day and night before you. Let my prayer come before you. Incline your ear to my cry. For my soul is full of troubles, and my life draws near to Sheol. I am counted among those who go down to the pit. I am a man who has no strength, like one set loose among the dead, like the slain that lie in the grave like those whom you remember no more, for they are cut off from your hand. You have put me in the depths of the pit, in the regions dark and deep. Your wrath lies heavy upon me, and you overwhelm me with all your waves. You have caused my companions to shun me. You have made me a horror to them. I am shut in so that I cannot escape. My eye grows dim through sorrow. Every day I call upon you, O Lord. I spread out my hands to you. Do you work wonders for the dead? Do the departed rise up to praise you? Is your steadfast love declared in the grave, or your faithfulness in abandon? Are your wonders known in the darkness, or your righteousness in the land of forgetfulness? But I, O Lord, cry to you. In the morning my prayer comes before you. O Lord, why do you cast my soul away? Why do you hide your face from me? Afflicted and close to death from my youth up, I suffer your terrors. I am helpless. Your wrath has swept over me. Your dreadful assaults destroy me. They surround me like a flood all day long. They close in on me together. You have caused my beloved and my friend to shun me. My companions have become darkness.